0: welcome to your making it worse we're here we're queer who cares i'm elliot glazer and i'm brent sullivan and i'm h allen scott
1: Healing. healing. Oh, you
2: guys, there's a Republican in Virginia in trouble with social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: it's our well, favorite Wait, wait, wait. wait. First, first and foremost, the listeners should know that you are in drag. Oh, my we God. I oh, off yeah. by saying that. I know. It's going to feel, it's weird
2: because I'm trying to, like, just, of course, just talk normal and stuff. But, like, it is distracting also, I know, probably for you guys. Um, but now that I'm a serious, I <laughs> pretend I'm on The View. And I'm... <laughs> I'm Megan McCain right now, not the conservative, yeah. but I'm Megan McCain right now, looking <laughs> totally done up and amazing.
3: Honestly. There you <laughs> go. it Looks Great. good.
2: Yes. Thank you, thank you. We're shooting a lot of stuff today, so oh, and I'm spilling oh stuff now too. <laughs> um, so there is a Virginia Republican in trouble with social media because right. he married a same-sex couple. oh Oh my god (laughs) oh can you guys believe it the outrage the outrage okay here's the thing his name is denver riggleman which is probably the best name ever denver riggleman denver riggleman Mm -hmm. um and he met a gay couple i don't want to say their name because i don't they really weren't meant to be um uh he married a gay gay, republic they were at an event log cabin republicans he met them there he's he is a very conservative member of Congress. He represents um, the fifth congressional district in Virginia, which is 250 miles west of D.C. A very sort of rural... It's the largest district yeah. in D.C. It's very conservative, and he met this couple at a log cabin or event. They're very, very conservative. He was. He made note to say that the gay couple is very conservative. Like kind, kind of guys, yeah. Yep. And they <laughs> and they asked him to marry him officiate their wedding and he did and his wife it's always the wife right Always the wife that gets these guys in trouble um she tweeted a picture or on facebook or something said love is love and it caused a stir people were going crazy online they were calling for his him being taken out of his seat the district was Mm -hmm. like no he got censured by the the republican committee in the fifth congressional district there Mm -hmm. And now he is facing a challenger for his seat that is even more, I mean, this guy is already kind of anti-gay. Like, sure, he married a, a same-sex yeah. couple, but he's a libertarian Republican. So he he's not progressive by any means, but he does sort of believe in that the government shouldn't be in your bedroom. Basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, that said, he mm-hmm. still doesn't believe that trans people should be able to serve in the military. He also will not support the Equality Act because of mm-hmm. some parenting issue, and he uh, uh, voted to defund Planned Parenthood. So this guy's not an ally. Sorry, of ours why? Why, at all. why would
0: anybody want him to? <laughs> Why would a well, gay couple want him to him because to officiate their wedding?
2: They're mm-hmm. conservative, just like him. They are also very fiscally conservative, probably in sort of borderline libertarian area. And and they, I mean, they're a law cabin Republican. They're Republicans. They support him. They're his. I think they're they belong. They're members of his district. So they wanted him to officiate the wedding. And him, as a libertarian conservative, decided to do it. I actually have no problem with him doing it or them being Republican. It's
1: wait, the... wait. all right so, so let's yeah. all right so so the the problem is uh he's uh I guess the quote problem is yeah. he might lose uh the renomination of of he might lose the Republican renomination because... he almost undoubtedly will because
2: they don't hold a traditional primary like other Virginia is kind of a weird state and it's the local committee Republican committee goB mm-hmm. committee that selects the nominee for the general election so he might he probably won't he was just elected in two thousand and eighteen, so he's a new member of Congress, um, so he probably won't be reelected
1: uh, but any, I, it's just kind of an interesting I, I was reading about it over uh, over the week, and it's just kind of interesting when someone does something that you think from your perspective gives them a little bit of heart like like he's he's kind of just saying like ultimately like hey you know i'm gonna vote a certain way and i'm representing the people of my district a certain way which is that they're very conservative and blah 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 but uh uh i also you know am willing to recognize you know so to speak the autonomy or decency of of gay couples and i'll officiate a gay ceremony Mm -hmm. and then it just like backfires so severely that he will likely lose re-election um at least as a republican so i just think it's kind of interesting when you know when you know Republicans are still kind of stuck in these like very rigid, yeah, you know, socially it feels very so retro to me. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, in this story kind of I was just sort of like, well, we're fucked anyway we go because this guy is not an ally. He's not good for us in any way, shape, or form. Nor is he good for any anyone really sort of queer in his district that that supports queer rights. And the guy who likely will get the seat, you know, in the general election also is not an ally. And I don't so know. If- he's Jerry, he's
1: Jerry Falwell Jr.'s like favorite. He was the athletic yes. director for Liberty University. No, exactly. So, he, so the, the the other Republican running is way, way even crazier, more conservative.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I saw, I, I know even I've been watching Jeopardy more now, well, just in general now, and they've been replaying the college week. And I saw a girl from Liberty University and I was like, that's almost not fair. By the way, I saw that episode. Did you notice that
1: she kept staring at the audience more than I've ever seen anyone do? Oh. And no. I'm convinced she was looking at her boyfriend the whole time. Oh, I'm convinced no. she was like looking at him for approval. That's just oh, <laughs> is my it,
2: opinion. isn't Liberty <laughs> my one of the, the few universities that is like going back early to school or something? Like they, they're they're officially going against the ban or something?
1: They, they had, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly, yeah, there there was a big, uh, you know, controversy about that. I don't know exactly the status as of this moment, but yeah, I know a, couple, a few months ago that they uh, went against the orders of the governor and, and mm. uh, uh, reinst- you know, went back to school. Despite is that the, in Virginia or
0: Tennessee or something? It's in Virginia. Yeah, yeah. So my, okay, so my question is like, the blowback to Denver Riggleman, you know, <laughs> online, is the idea that people were like, you know, just the sort of basic, you know, the, the sort of basic rudimentary idea of, like, don't, don't uh, um, officiate or validate a gay union. Or was it, like, re- religious or just well, a general sort of old no, school it, homophobia? I,
2: mean, I think it was a mix of both, honestly. Like, they don't believe in in sort of same-sex marriage at all in any way, shape, or form. and so And they being the majority of the district, in addition to you know, other members of the GOP committee within his district. And so because they don't believe in it, the fact that their congressperson, you know, their new congressperson who was a businessman before he became a member of Congress in 2018 is now officiating this wedding, even though the wedding is for conservatives, people who would right. vote for him and for the issues that <laughs> right. they want passed. It's it's sort of, it's so backwards, but it's also like, I do give credit even though I hate giving credit to someone like this, I do give credit to, to Riggleman, only because I think it did kind of take balls to do it. He knows the district he's in. He knows how conservative it is. He knows mm-hmm. the vast majority of people don't support gay marriage, but he chose to do it. And, or he married the wrong woman who tweets too much.
0: I don't know. Right. Well, it's it interesting. Head, his me. wife would say love is love. I mean, that's, that's quite a, um, well, she's probably, you know, a bold stance to take. She's
2: probably an authentic libertarian. In mm-hmm. that they don't believe the government should be deciding mm-hmm.
1: civil liberties. Uh, it reminds me of the time uh, Alan met former Arizona Senator Jeff Flake. Mm, yes. And his wife, Jeff <laughs> Flake's wife, complimented Alan's nails. <laughs> oh, wow. In an airport. Yeah. And he's, never, he's never told that story. No, I haven't. Because I, I think it's kind of boring. I mean,
2: to me, I think the... Because I think the wives of of conservative... He's not... I mean, he's not really conservative. He is, but not in the traditional sense. Not how we think of conservative. Not profoundly and, so, supposedly. And, and wives of of these vastly conservative members of Congress, I find often... Women get it. You know what I mean? Oftentimes, yeah. women get it. They get that there's no harm to be made from... I'm not, that's a blanket term. I know, but I find sometimes that if I'm in a situation where I'm really uncomfortable and I'm the only queer person in a space, I'm going to gravitate towards any woman in the room. It doesn't matter her political or religious beliefs. I'm going to gravitate towards her because I know
1: at least she'll keep it civil. And for the most part, I hope. Well, you know, I, I also think the, uh, I, I totally, I totally know what you're talking about. I agree. I also think there's something to say for, You know, most people, not always, but most people who run for office win. they then move to Washington, D.C., they're usually from bigger cities Mm -hmm. uh, in their home states. Not again, not always, but usually. And so I just think there tends to be when it comes to social issues, the big cities just tend to kind of moderate a little bit. Yeah. um, Where look at at
2: Boehner. He's now supporting pot everywhere he goes.
1: Right. Right. John John Boehner, former um, speaker of the House bigger the house. Um, so I don't know. I, I just always assumed that like, Hey, you know, if you move to DC and you spend more than four years there, you're going to come across some gay people. You're going to come across people from all walks of life. And that Mm -hmm. might sort of soften the stance that you previously had in your own personal life. Not, not necessarily how you vote. Yeah. Um, in fact, probably not how you vote, but in your own personal experience.
0: Oh, I mean, hopefully and how you vote too. I mean, yeah. in, in an ideal
1: world. In an well, ideal no, world. <laughs> Because they're
2: not, I mean, no, it wouldn't be even, and, and I think it would be irresponsible if the, the city of D.C. sort of influenced the way they vote, only because, you know, they're sent there to represent their district. And not Not, not saying that they have to, like, vote the way the district feels on each poll, basically. Right, right. But...
0: They're not there to vote how DC life is. They're vote. I know. I'm just saying it'd be in my in a naive naive sort of Pollyanna-ish way. I'm just saying it would be nice if, like, Mm -hmm. you know, meeting like a trans person or whatever in DC changed someone's mind. They were like, you know what? Forget it. I'm a Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a liberal Democrat now, and that's the way it is. But you know, obviously, that's not gonna Arlene
2: Specter. He did that. He flipped back and forth, but he did it from Arlene, 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 Arlene Spector. He flipped from what was a Democrat to Republican and then he went independent or something.
0: Yeah, for a little while or something. Yeah, he was weird. Arlene, that bitch. Arlene. Oh, shut up, Arlene.
1: Not even joking.
0: Larry Owens, we're so excited to have you. Thank you. <laughs> We've been. I wanted to have you on for so long, and now with quarantine, we can do it through through Zoom. It's amazing. Yeah,
3: there's plenty of plenty of time, plenty of access. No planes needed. Do you What's ever do way this? Way?
1: Oh, wait, wait. I was going to say, yeah. like, real quick, that like recently, you know, like I'll be like, oh, I'll want to zoom with a friend, or like you know, let's get let's get drinks over Zoom or something, and it'll be hard to schedule with them. And it's so offensive to me. Like, I had a friend that, like, she was busy two days in a row. And I was like, "What?" I don't know. But it, (laughs) it, like, made me very insecure about my life. I feel like
2: I am that friend to people because I often don't want to be on video.
1: (laughs) Oh, I don't think, I I think she just had shit going on. And I was Mm -hmm. like, we are in the middle of un... (laughs) Like untold times, and you're busy as fuck right now. What is happening? Larry, are you busy right now?
3: How busy are you in
1: quarantine?
3: (laughs) I'm in New York. I'm generally not busy, but then I'm like finding that Mm -hmm. having something to do makes me feel of use. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, like, yeah. so, so things that, you know, when something comes, you know, through the old inbox, I'm, I'm like, entertaining it because yeah. I, get to, I get to have the ritual of putting something on my calendar, <laughs> yeah, right. of um, showing right. up to that thing, of then, like, right. having completed it after it's done. Right. So... Yeah, I, uh, yeah, today I, today I had two, you know, two little things on the schedule. One personal, one professional, this wow. podcast. All right. Hey. All right. <laughs> Wait,
2: before we go, before we go any further, because I was really excited when this happened. And I feel like now for the, for the next three years of your life, I'm going to say three years, because four years is getting excessive, Larry. You need to be introduced in all situations as the star of a Pulitzer Prize winning Musical
0: and 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 a Lucille Lortel award winner for best actor. That's, oh my I, god, Peter I so Dynamo!
2: I mean, that last one, I'm a little like maybe a year,
0: just go with that for a year. But three <laughs> years, surprised. Patty LaBelle announced him as the winner. Patty, L- I mean, sorry, sorry, Patty LaPone
3: <laughs> oh, sacrilege to complete those two sorry. women. Um, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, no, no the, the the Pulitzer Prize, like, I, I, I mean, it's crazy. It was the first, A Strange Loop, the musical. Thank you for bringing it up. Uh, it is, um, it was the first musical to win the Pulitzer for Off-Broadway. Yeah. So it's really I fun. D- I Just mean, not
1: know that, I didn't know the Pulitzer. First of all, I didn't know how it was pronounced Pulitzer. I thought it was Pulitzer, but uh, you know better <laughs> than I you? do. I how also didn't you? know that, I think when Elliot sent me that text, I, I didn't know that they even did Broadway. They did
2: Oh, yeah. They've done, I in mean, theater. shows shows like August Osage, Hamilton, et
1: cetera, have all
2: won, the, have all won in the past. But what's so important, I just, for our listeners, I, I just want to preface this. What's so yeah. important about this is an off broad, not only an off-Broadway show, but an off-Broadway show um, with a majority, you know, marginalized communities, people of color, queer people, women in the production, winning a Pulitzer for a show that isn't on Broadway is just...
3: Insane, and it's so is a statement of where I hope like we're going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. I mean, we have an all-black cast. Mm-hmm. We have an un- unapologetic script. Like you've never like you go through the list of there are ten musicals in history who've won the award. So, period. Mm-hmm. So they give out a Best Musical Tony every year. They give out a Best Musical Pulitzer when they feel like it. Oh, so for wow. them for them to recognize it to be on the list, it's like a chorus line. Donna McKechnie. It's mm-hmm. Sunday Park with George, Mandy Patinkin, Brandon Peters, and you know <laughs> Hamilton, and then you know Strange Loop. Me. You know, it's yeah. like it's it's wild. Child, you tell know. us
2: about the show. What is the show about? Right. I mean, I know what it's about, but tell us about. What
3: <laughs> to those who don't know, yeah. the show follows Usher and his six thoughts. Uh, this, the thoughts are, you know, played by um, queer black people, and they become everyone in Usher's life—from the his his writing agent, uh, the ancestors, uh, guys on grinder, um, his parents. So it it, it takes this um, writer writing the musical that you're watching through the process of creating that show and of being a young queer in intersectional person like mm-hmm. someone who someone who's uncompromising someone who has a really strong voice and 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 who the world doesn't want to let that voice out and then you know over the course of the musical uh, I, I think he figures out how to let that voice out. Blackness feels like another hurdle that won't get out of his way. His inner white girl starts kicking like a baby. She wants to come out and play. She doesn't care if she ruffles any feathers. In fact, that is her always obey their mothers white girls can do anything can't they can't they
2: can i love can't in the show that i mean i haven't seen the full show i've only seen oh, clips because see
0: yet either I, I wanted to see it so badly <laughs> i actually no
2: i tried when i was in new york the last right before all of this started i tried to see it and i couldn't because of scheduling it was Bad. But um, what I love is that it sort of meets these two different worlds. You know, it's a very sort of modern show, of course, but you play an usher at the musical of The Lion King, which is such a uniquely queer thing as well. Because, (laughs) yeah, so funny. Gay Disney obsession is so real and alive. And the fact that you're a musical theater nerd at a Disney show. It just, it just blows my mind I love it I love it's it
3: Mike, Michael R. Jackson He wrote the book Music and Lyrics It's like It's completely his brainchild And the character that I play Is based off of him And he was actually An usher at the Lion King mm. So he had this crazy experience Of seeing like African blackness Like told through the style of like Disney. The Vosch Belt and Americana yeah. <laughs> Directed by Julie Taymor And he's you know he's oh, like an, and, and he's an NYU graduate You know musical theater writing graduate Who has you know all of these amazing um, Like mm-hmm. American important pieces inside of him And he's like you know he's watching you know Kids vomit on the stairs And, yeah. and, and, old, <laughs> and old women like you know Taking their yearly trips you know Just to come and see <laughs> you know Lion King and Wicked ah. So yeah it, there's so many levels to the show there's so many layers. Like, I I developed it with Michael and Stephen Brackett, the director, and the, the mm. cast for, like, five years. And and we were in the theater, and I was still getting my mind blown with, oh, that's what that means. Oh, that's what that yeah. layer is. Like, oh, okay. I had no idea what I was saying. I was kind of just, you know, smile, pretty, say the words, which works mm. a lot. <laughs> well, so, you, now, you
0: do, obviously, you're a, th- uh, uh, a lauded theater actor, but did you, you also do comedy, which is how I met you, a couple <laughs> (laughs) of years ago in New York and I love that you can sort of bridge the gap because I am like uh I say that I'm often like very hot or cold with theater where something like Strange Loop is like so exciting to me and I wish I could have seen it but I'm also so easily like turned off by the big Mm. splashy sort of very self-serious you know uh stuff and I love that you're somebody who can kind of because you're a comedian as well and you do comedy you can kind of like dance in the middle and play <clears throat> both both sides yeah, and that that's was... that's rare
3: yeah, that was really fun to, like, have this, like, you know, people who, like, know me from, you know, doing comedy in the, you know, at the Bell House and Union Hall, like, come to Playwrights Horizons, like, come to Manhattan and, like, watch the show and, like, and be at that show as if it was a comedy show with that sort of give and take, mm-hmm. you know, interspersed with the with the theater goers who who see everything at Playwrights, who have subscriptions, who, you know, they're very easy to cross their, cross their legs and, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, and you fold their arms and say, like, give it to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was really fun to, to, like, to be able to bring that audience to the theater and then to bring some theater audiences to to spaces where, you know, the top ticket price is $10, you know, and there is no orchestra seating. It's like, and, and people like, it's wild to me that like in the musical theater, everything's like, make it shorter, make it shorter, make it shorter. And then like, I've been at comedy shows where people stand up for two hours and and they just sit and they just watch. And like, some of the stuff is polished. Some of the stuff was written that day. Some of it is improv, but like, they just like, it's, it's, it's crazy how performance has two different lanes but then at the end of the day it is Mm. you know
0: when when they boil it down it's me on stage singing you know and And by the way like not by not coincidentally in the same city like you're in new york doing like Fancy theater, and and then the next day you're going to the Bell House and doing like or or whatever the Bell House or Union Hall or one of these things or wherever. (laughs) It's it's, it's two different lanes in the game. It's so so rare. I think it's so rare to see that you know, and you're you're queer in both spaces, which is I think is also you know very interesting. Wouldn't it be funny if you weren't queer in both spaces? no that's a comedy routine. No, but
3: that's but that's actually like I mean, a lot of my like upbringing was sort of knowing that I wanted to to make work like the work that I loved like I would see performance you see Verna Peters you know uh, do Rose turn on the Tonys you're like wow she she's letting out a lot of stuff and I identify with that and I was like okay so how do I get there and then I would be so afraid that one day someone's gonna like find a picture of me kissing a boy and then like my mm-hmm. whole career is over so it's it's mm-hmm. wild that I, I don't have to live in fear of like my identity but that it becomes both like the source material the way to the work and the reason that it's celebrated so mm-hmm. i'm like completely like it's it's out of body experience i mean that musical like to do a strange loop it was no like it was so hard to get people to take it seriously for so long because mm-hmm. of how supposedly difficult it was and then you know for the world to change in such an immediate way in the past four years and and other and in other ways that that it becomes so necessary
0: was wait what like, do you mean supposed what do you mean supposedly uh difficult well, what was, what was mean, supposedly difficult about it?
3: Well, normally when I'm auditioning for a musical, it's for like the third lead. It's for, you know, mm-hmm. it's like fat is in the description or, you know, it, it's it's for if it's a franchise, it's an inanimate an character. You know, there's a snowman, there's a plant, there's a genie. Like these are the parts where you would have me play. So when you literally just have a leading man who doesn't, who who isn't fuckable in a traditional sense, mm-hmm. then that becomes, you think, a barrier for marketing. But if huh. the piece is good, if the <laughs> show is just good <laughs> mm-hmm. then everyone can't stop talking about it so it, well, so it was like having to use you know twice as hard to get out as far like having to use so much skill to like get just a production in new york city yeah unbelievable i, I, I have
2: a i have a very um faggotry question for mm. you <laughs> that i feel like any homosexual person who enjoys theater is asked this question and it divides the community are you bernadette peters from gypsy or are you patty lapone gypsy because i fall very clearly in the patty lapone gypsy patty
1: labelle you mean what no
2: (laughs) (laughs) what column do you fit in and rather i should i should phrase the question what faggot are you patty or bernadette
3: i think i'm patty as a faggot Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm I think I think I'm Patty as a faggot because she, you know, she went to Juilliard. I went to Steppenwolf. So like, there is like a Bible that we're following. Whenever we like mm-hmm. step on stage, it's like, no, this is that, and that is that, and you will see, you know, for the rest of my life, like everyone's gonna be like, oh wow, he's playing that character again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and yeah, it looks <laughs> like me. Um, <laughs> and then she also like has like the really like shaky, like the like the roof raising voice with mm-hmm. the power in it. So I feel like I'm as a faggot, I am Patty, but. I can't really answer the question because I saw Patty do it live and I've seen yes, her. same, same. And I've seen since her do it on YouTube, I did not see Bernadette do it. And I think that as I grow older, <sighs> I'm understanding that camp of like, of, uh, of the psychology of it. And I think it goes back to my original argument, which is that Bernadette was not trained. Bernadette started six years old in a production of Gypsy playing Baby mm-hmm. Louise or mm-hmm. playing Baby June. And she just came up, you know, Doing, doing it. it. Yeah. So I feel like that. I don't know. I don't it's know. Hard. I know no it's hard.
2: I know. It's hard. I got to say, though, I mean, seeing Patty Lapone live do Gypsy do Rose's turn was like. Like, my asshole grew, like, an inch. You know what, what I mean? Changed my life. It yeah, was life-changing. It was life It
1: expanded, like, Elliot? It expanded,
2: because like, <laughs> it, it had to open to
0: the universe of Patty. You know what I mean? I was uh, it was like, to the asshole. Patty Lou Poppers. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Wait, who's, who's the most, like, I mean, this is, like, a, a a more, like, dumb version of Alan's question, but, like, who, who are your, like, Broadway or, like, theatrical you know all-time idols hmm.
3: i i mean uh, audra mcdonald audra uh then i have some i have some obscure ladies that i love like That's I love. okay a, i want to hear obscure i was like i love a hearty mary testa performance she's yes. like <laughs> Topol? do you like Topol? I like branch. <laughs> oh, okay. the yeah, one love, that he. Knows. I love Fiddler on the Roof. Oh. Yes, yeah, beautiful show. That show plays everywhere. China, Africa. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah, we. Have, you know those those tradition. You know, you everywhere has tradition. <laughs> yeah. So, right. my obscure right. favorite
0: is uh, my obscure choice is. Rosie O'Donnell and Harvey Firestein doing Fiddler live. on the Roof. I Fiddler saw it. be the weirdest show ever. And Alan, you were there.
2: I paid yeah. my money to what see it. What was that it? like? It was like my asshole shrank. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I was going to say, did it grow again? The world, the world shrunk
1: closer together. No, no. It, was, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Well, let me, let, Larry, let me ask you a question. What is it like? Uh, I find that, you know, doing standup shows, you normally do your set. Maybe you leave afterwards. Maybe you don't, but you know, normally you don't have standup audiences flocking to talk to you after a show necessarily. But I know with Broadway, it's a little different where it's almost like a tradition, right? Like as you, as you leave the theater, people are waiting to meet you. Right. (laughs) Yes. The
3: stage door, they
1: say. The stage door. Right. So what was like, what's that like? And like, is it weird? Like I'm, you know, I'm sure if you do the, do the show a million times, like there were probably some shows you didn't feel great about. Like, was it weird leaving and being like, I got to fucking talk to these kids or whatever. Or did you love
3: it every time? Well, I mean, a strange loop. It was like so weird because like I said, like I, like I, for me, it was a true underdog experience. Like now the narrative is so shifted. Now it's like, now it's just like, it's the people's yeah. pride show. Yeah. <laughs> but, but going <laughs> in, going in. So when that show, I didn't leave the stage the entire time. Like I would walk up from my dressing room onto the deck and then, 90 minutes later, I would go through like three cycles of hell you know, and, and liberate myself for the benefit of the audience and then like climb downstairs and like have to pee so yeah. it was just like an absolute enormous feat of energy, it was a, like a huge vocal feat, like there were like I think 17 songs, I'm singing lead on, you know, lion's share of them there's like character work inside of like one big arc of playing, the, of playing Usher, then there's like, you know, he's yeah. writing a Tyler Perry style play for his agent yeah. and for his mom's approval and for money but he hates it and so then you you see him creating those those characters in front of you so like there's actually like I end up playing six characters throughout the whole evening so I was very much like scared I was I was scared like the most of the process that i'm gonna you know one wrong move you burst a blood vessel in your throat and you and you're out of the show you know what I mean like yeah. like like you like you go you know the choreography like if you do something too hard you break your ankle then like now we have to restructure the show so like every day I was just doing huge 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 danger mitigation to try to stay on stage to tell the story because it was the only thing that mattered in my life was to tell this story and then so going up I like like in under normal circumstances, like that it would warrant not greeting the people. It would be just like sneak now, off aren't the you back. Exhausted? And... Yeah. I was, I was certainly exhausted. But it was like I had been begging the comedy audience and like the young queer black people to come to the show. I was saying, mm. don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. Discount, here's the discount, here's the code, here's the code. And so I felt an obligation to honor like the audience members who were making the sacrifice like of distance Mm -hmm. of cost of like interest to come and see. So I would, I would, I would come up and I would do the lobby every night. And then as the show, like, just as we played it, and like, and it became like, oh, clear that this is catching on. Then the lobby was just absolute who's who. It's wow. like you walk upstairs, like you walk upstairs, Alicia Silverstone. You walk upstairs, Billy Porter. You walk upstairs, Lee Daniels. You walk upstairs, Patty LuPone. Yes, <laughs> right,
2: right. Did Patty Lapone come? Did she come? I'm sure Did she, she
0: come? came? Right.
3: Patty, no, Patty didn't come. I mean, it was a very. We only ran like like eight eight or nine weeks, maybe ten yeah. weeks.
0: Was that a, 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 a six, seven week? How many days a week did you do? Eight a shows a week. We did eight oh shows. Oh my god! Yeah, eight oh. show no
3: understudy and the five show weekend. So, so yeah, in between Friday and Sunday, you know, forty eight
0: hours, I did five performances. When you do, <laughs> when you have no understudy, what uh, what hap? I mean, what were to happen if? You were ill or something. Well, the thing is, so
3: I, so because I was doing the stage door and because I'm a novice lead, like I've like been, I've been in musicals before, but as that third fiddle, you know, so you can, Mm -hmm. you can pretty much do, you know, a a fat black track, you know, in your sleep, you know, no matter what. But I was greeting (laughs) the audience every night and low key pre-COVID, I got a stomach flu like the week of Mm. opening night. And so I was doing the show with utter, like I was doing the show like in private, just like like trying to soldier on. I was like, just go out there, do it. Like just use enough energy to get through each moment. So like, I was just taking each moment and being like, okay, like that's what it takes to get, you know, this out. That's what it takes to get that out. And then I got so ill that I completely projectile vomited in between the the matinee evening show and a Saturday, went to the hospital. And so I, I had to take two shows off on Sunday, which was meant to be, Monday was opening night. I went out the Saturday um, matinee show, like, and I was gonna. I was like, I was in my dressing room. So no understudy, no understudy. But the show's canceled. Yeah, so we canceled two performances, and then I was back Monday night, just like you know, on a wing and a prayer. And so
0: that's insane. The idea of of all of it resting on your shoulders, though. Yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge psychological... That's what you know. makes him a
3: star, yes, Ellie. Yes, it does, it does. <laughs> it, was, it was a crazy, crazy moment of my life. It was a super yeah. crazy moment, but the work was worth it. The work was so worth it. Well, actually, to and, that point,
0: there was this brilliant, you had a, you were quoted, um, I forget what where I found this, but um, in talking about the show, there was a moment, um, you know, in which the show culminates in this, grinder encounter and you said i don't think audiences i don't think audiences have ever considered the overweight queer body sexualized even though the sex scene is a moment of brutality and humiliation and a breach of intellectual consent it just shows the overweight queer body in mainstream media in a way that it's never been seen before mm-hmm. can you like i talk a little bit about what that looks like and feels like to people okay. like you who didn't get a chance to see it? Wow, pull quote. I mean, I really said that,
1: huh?
2: <laughs> didn't okay. have a
3: stomach flu that day. Okay, go off. No, I'm certain that I did. And I was like doing press in the morning. Um, I, yeah, it's just, it. Like I, I, I felt so strangely detached from my body my entire life because I've never seen someone like me with my desires have those things honored in media. Like, it's just like, like I like I tr- like I truly don't know the rubric for falling in love as someone who looks like myself because I've never seen it play out <laughs> yeah. I've never seen it play out satisfactorily on on screen and and the and the whole thing is that just like in American culture we rely on these screens like we really yes. really rely on them like they do so much like I I wouldn't I wouldn't have been in the theater if I hadn't turned on the Tonys and seen Bernadette Peters mm-hmm. let that out and so that's how I knew that I could let something out and so having an image of falling in love love or, or even just like having some sort of sexual semblance of self, I think would have been really, really important to me. And so, mm-hmm. so in my work, like it's not to center myself as in like, I am, I am star. I am, <laughs> I I, so number one, I like to work. And so I'm envious of like anyone who gets to work. I want to, I want to try those same things out. So like, you know, if, if Sally and Jeff get to play the leads and fall in love, then I think that, you know, if this is American we're rated equal, then let me let me have my shot. So so like doing that on stage, it was it was really it was really difficult in that scene. I mean, that scene with like it would it would really shake me even to just rehearse it because is it an awkward
0: what I like is it a, just an awkward sex
3: scene or something more? Insidious? No, so it's, so the scene is called Inwood Daddy, and so Usher goes to um like he sort of hits like a his professional wall and he like and he wants a release and so he goes to Inwood Daddy. To, uh, to like to have sex to have sex mm, and this yeah. is this is someone who has like put out a post online that says like, I'm looking for a fat black ass like I'm gonna pound your fat black ass right. and that is what Usher wants in that moment so he yeah. goes to get his fat black ass pounded consensually <laughs> and for fun and for release and for whatever mm-hmm. for whatever we go into sex with but then during the encounter and with Daddy begins to call him a nigger and he begins to say like do you, like you know, you can listen to it on the cast album. You know, in "What Daddy," and you'll hear the the dialogue. You know, it goes into this um, insidious race play that Usher, while Usher wants to get his ass pounded, he doesn't want to get called a you know a slave, yeah. etc. In yeah. this encounter, <laughs> but the character is is so bifurcated in terms of his sense of self that he like he's like he he. The next song that he sings is "Boundaries," and it's about. It, it's about why we do the things that we do and why we allow certain things and, and what happens if we maybe don't let those things happen. And so it sets up the character for this reckoning with his parents um, and, and with the church and with, mm-hmm. you know, HIV stigma. It's, it sets him up to really uh, attack those things head on rather than letting those things attack him head on. Which so is it's a I mean- very transformative scene. It, it it's so profound to see that in a show because
2: oftentimes, for whatever the you know minority is, you're left at just the moment of victimization. That's it, and then somehow along the way, you see the minority hopefully find themselves and 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 grow and be successful or whatever. But you don't see the middle area. You don't yeah. see the reckoning with you know, standing up for yourself or standing up for your authentic self and, and, and finding that growth. And it's, that's why it's, I think so important to have a show like this and to see that, to see the growth of your character from the moment of victimization to success and everything that happened in between. It's so important.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's all real life stuff. It's all things that all people identify with. So like, even though it's you know, the big black queerest American Broadway show, it is like, it, the audience is, you know, the Broadway audience, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and they have taken it in and, you know, and the, and the press and like, and cause there's all, there's the truth of the emotions will never fail us. So to go back to Rose, you know, just like Rose, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you still feel it's that
2: Rose's turn. <laughs> yeah.
3: Wait, it's, it's, so what's happening with the show now? Yeah. Are you gonna, show, are still coming to LA at all? <laughs> I think the next stop, you know, once all is said and done, is is DC, uh, mm-hmm. the woolly mammoth, and then mm-hmm. and then to Broadway. I think
0: that it's oh my it's God. to Broadway. Yeah. That would be amazing. Congrats. How could it not have won a fucking Pulitzer? (laughs) How are you holding up Yeah, where are you in in New York? Are you alone? Are you roommates or family or boyfriend or something? I am alone
3: in East Williamsburg (sighs) and it is really, really difficult. Like, it's, like, really difficult. I don't know if anyone else is isolating alone and I'm, like, so paranoid and, like, I have so, like, such fear that, like, I keep a strict, strict quarantine, which, like, Mm is to the death of my mental health like of course just like kind of like last year with a strange loop I was like I can do this like I can barrel through you know and then like you find out that you have to adapt like as humans we are always going to have to adapt no matter how idealistic not in quotations how idealistic yeah, we, we mm-hmm. are like so I've been trying to like find the most idealistic space like somewhere where I'm like respected and together but like have autonomy and can work and it's just there's no one place for that during this pandemic there's no preparation for a pandemic pandemic mm-hmm. and so i'm taking it day by day you know sometimes it's five face times a day sometimes it's you know <laughs> sometimes it's ordering you know a lot of food and then sanitizing it you know as it comes across the threshold but mm-hmm. yeah i'm just i it's it is very definitely very 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 hard and then you know like it's but it's also like How can I complain, you know, if I'm healthy and have, you know, have the space and, you know, Mm -hmm. there have been there have been awards during quarantine. It's all super exciting. (laughs) Well, that's Uh, great. The good
0: news is that you actually have some really amazing shit to look forward to after everything <laughs> you know unlike the rest normal. of us that's okay. right
2: <laughs> we got this we got the three yeah. of us that's all we right. got
0: Aww. <laughs> All right. thank you so much for being here where can people find you and listen to you and where would you, would you anything you want to plug <laughs> okay yeah you can follow me at Larry Owens live online stream a strange loop
3: uh, and watch mm-hmm. high maintenance season 4 episode 1 that's me wait it's yeah. streamable now
0: yeah, yeah it's, on <laughs> H- it's on HBO <laughs> now Oh, yes. Oh, no, no. Sorry. I meant Strange Loop. The album. The album. No oh, the, yeah. the, the album. The album. Oh, no. I always say that. People are like, wait, we can watch the show. And it's like,
3: no. Just <laughs> I got so excited. But I'll listen, <laughs> to I'll listen to the
0: music. Listen to the music. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. Yo, thanks, thanks story. Yeah, well, thank congrats you, on everything. And thanks. And, and stay safe.
3: <laughs> thanks, guys.
1: And another thing. So I was kind of curious, even really early on in the whole coronavirus Pandemic shit, garbage. Uh, I was instantly curious, like, how it was going to potentially change um, sort of thoughty guys on Instagram because there are some people that I followed for literally years. They constantly post gratuitous selfies of themselves, but everyone knows that right now, no one, basically, no one in the world can go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I know for the first two weeks, I was kind of obsessed because. All these guys who are, you know, just unnaturally fit. Uh, all these guys are posting these like videos of like them. They're like, "Hey, this is how you work out at home,"
0: as if that's how you get. As if that's how. As if people are like, again, I, the 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 silliness of it all, being like, "You're tuning in to see how I work out at home with like dishes, right?" And it's like, right, right, yeah, that's what I'm tuning in for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we
1: have our dick in our hand, but yeah, yeah, we, we would love to get your thoughts on nutrition and all. I know that they have shit. shampoo resting on their dick. It's it's so it's so ridiculous and. So there was this one guy in particular. He's, I don't even know how to describe it, but imagine like Brad Pitt, but better body. Like it's just, it's just insane. And I check in on him all the time and he was doing these exercises you where he was in like- check in on him?
0: How I do, I don't, don't want to
1: follow him. I refuse to feed his ego. I won't follow him, but I do check in. And at first he was doing that thing where he was like doing exercises. He was doing sit-ups with like weights and the weights would be like paper towels, Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay. yeah, dude, you don't. But then anyway, so long story short, almost everyone I follow who is all about how perfect they look yeah. has gone radio silent. Right, <laughs> they are not posted right. anything. Ooh. And it's been kind of this really fun thing to watch where like <laughs> all of a sudden like these guys who are, sort of like, you know, always pretending like they're just they're just showing you how to how to work out, but they're really showing yeah. you how perfect they look. Yeah. Now they have nothing to contribute. And Elliot, you even said you, you came across some posts where these guys are starting to get mad at people for body shaming them. Mm. Yeah, I
0: saw one I saw one guy <laughs> 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 uh, I think actually somebody sent this to me cuz I've stu- I've after we after honestly because of the podcast I did a massive unfollow when you got for like you. stop following these people that make you mad but you used so- to follow like 6000
1: people
2: <laughs> Yeah. I'm not
1: kidding. He did. Oh. He used to follow in the it was in the thousands. What <laughs> is it at right
0: now, Elliot? Uh under 3. Well, Michael, 3,000. I yeah. will say,
2: I do, the part, I mean, I don't think you should be following people that make you very angry, but Michael does, Michael's always astounded that I do hate follow some people just because I enjoy <laughs> sure. hating on some people and seeing how oh, yeah. sort of a mess they oh, are. God, but it doesn't yeah. make
0: me, it doesn't affect my psyche the way it probably affected yours, Elliot. Yeah, right, that's true. Well, uh, somebody sent me one of a guy <laughs> who, like, in my opinion, is, like, you know, very attractive in, like, I, again, the way I see it, I'm like that's what peak physical condition looks uh-huh. like to me. You know, mm-hmm. I would think it's otherwise. My yeah. And mm-hmm. his po- his caption was like, "No more body shame," and it was oh. literally him, like with his pants pulled down so you could see his pubes. Basically, <laughs> you know, he's obviously shirtless, and it was like this artsy, self reflective photo. No more, no body shaming. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and it's like, yeah. I mean, the, clearly, what's going on here is you just want val- you just want to be the, yeah. you don't want to. No one's going to body shame you. You want to be validated for how you mm-hmm. look now, and you're using body shame as like a cultural buzzword to now get yeah. likes. To to mm-hmm. use the sort of fake mm-hmm. wokeness to
1: get you have you likes. have passively body shamed. This is not to say that someone is overtly or aggressively doing it, but you've passively body shamed for the last year or however many years you. have been on Instagram, by showing mm-hmm. us how perfect you look every single day, including when you're you know, reading a book, but yeah, like right. we can see your pubes. And <laughs> I think it
2: runs a little deeper though. And that's what I find. I'm, I'm, I'm just as obsessed with this, but I think there's a more sort of like global uh, reaction to it in that I love people. I've, I have friends posting whenever they go out and do anything or have to do anything, they post it to their close friends list instead of their main story because mm. the shame of being called out for not staying inside Wow, is so real. Wow. You have have people posting pictures and then in, like, all caps saying, this was taken in February before we were supposed... Yeah, right. The shame of being called out is so real that I bet a lot of these insta-fuckers, they... Are afraid of being called out in a way that then, like, if they maintain their body, or as Megan McCain, again, this is the daily, this is the Weekly View mention we have on this right, podcast. Right, Megan McCain, second
1: Weekly View, mention, second, yeah, yeah, that's right.
2: right, true. I love her. Um, uh, where she calls out these these women on television and in you know in uh, government and stuff for having their roots done or for looking like they have their makeup done and like they're they're clearly not as skilled as I am. But mm. like they're looking very good on television, and and there is a lot of shame
1: happening right now, a whole lot of shame, and I bet they're feeling that. Well, the fuck Elliot, for me, Elliot, you were threatening to roll down your window and shout at people that didn't have masks on recently. Were you doing that? Are you following
0: through? <laughs> I'm not doing that, but when I when I <laughs> do a walk or when I'm like doing like like a walk or whatever it is with my mask on, always mm-hmm. if people are walking by me and they're not wearing a mask, I've st- I've taken to coughing. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's have you guys right.
2: gotten tested yet?
0: No. Oh, no, not yet. No, you should go get
2: tested for the city's sake.
0: Really, I feel like it, I, w- I don't want to. No, there's not take a show sure- away from.
2: No, there's not. That's not happening here in Los Angeles. And in fact, in Los Angeles and many urban cities that do have mass testing happening now, they want everybody to go get tested so that a they can keep when we do finally have a tracking. Thing in order, they can they can use that as the system, but also be so that they can have the data, so that they know right. that people the infection rate in the city that might be worse or less than what they thought. I mean, mm. and hey, it's listen, so, that's
0: something to do. It's yeah, anyway, so, it
2: is. It's so easy. We did we did yeah. a drive through testing, and we were in and out of there within twenty. Oh, minutes. Oh, good. Yeah.
1: Um, um, but the other thing I was going to say. Oh, what were you going to say,
2: Elliot?
0: Oh, I was just going to say, Brent, that in regards to the in regards to the idea of like not of not like posting while you're. Um, I, I found it. Tr- I found it's become less. I've seen less of this trend that I felt was happening more and more up until Corona, which was not this in the realm of body shaming in the in the realm of like of, of posing against body shaming, whatever that is. The act of faux dysmorphia of guys mm-hmm. saying yeah. of yeah. guys in perfect shape saying thinking about pizza or like. Get about mm-hmm. tacos staring at staring at tacos or ribs or something, and yeah. it's like, well, yeah. a you're not, and uh, b right. like what it was such a strange, a strange, I've dysmorphic seeing, trend, and I but seen, I feel like that's not happening now because no, it is, too, it is oh, happening. Really?
2: I'm seeing people, I see guys, I've seen friends post about it, but also I've seen people just randomly in like a shared thing on Instagram talk about having a dad bot after 60 days in oh, quarantine yes, or something, yes. and it's like. You don't have a dad bod. I can show, I have four dad bods on me right now. I can show you what
1: a dad bod looks. I, I will say though, it, I, I, you know, my body doesn't fundamentally change that much. I can, I had the best year of my life at the gym last year and I made Braggar. some progress and I, well, it's true. But I also like watched what I ate and I was really proud of myself. And I looked, I mean, literally exactly the same. As, as my brother always says, he's like, <laughs> I work out so that when I go to the doctor, Maybe one time he'll say he won't say to me, "Have you ever considered working out?" Like that's mm-hmm. his dream. Uh, that's sort. I feel sort of a similar way, but it's it's hard. I mean, I, re- I will. Say, My doctor told me not of, to work out. That's right. He, well, he actually
2: great. did. Well, it was the random thing. He's like, "It's all diet." I went to this new doctor, and he's like, "Don't work out." I'm never going back to him again. Okay, <laughs>
1: uh, but it, 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 it's tough. It is tough. Completely aside from being vapid and trying to show off or brag or whatever even though I just brag for a second, but still you get it. It's tough. Like I've, you know, I have a boyfriend right now and I'm like, I haven't looked like this. Like, like Elliot, I was telling you, my boyfriend took a video of me just in the, I was making dinner. I was in the kitchen wearing a shirt, by the way. Um, literally when the shirt comes off, phones are like, I put them in like a lead box. They're not allowed (laughs) (laughs) But like the lights go shirt. off, like you're Hasidic. And, and I just, I, I, he, I found the video on his phone, and I, I, just couldn't believe it. I just didn't look like what I've looked like my entire life. I looked, God lover, I looked like my grandmother. I looked like I had, like I had skinny arms, but like kind of a belly. It was just a
0: disaster. And it's hard. Oh. It's a, it's a hard time. Yeah. Right well, that's now, what's because so you can't too, do anything that, about like, it. Well, that's what's the interesting too is that now is a time where look if you happen to like try to eat healthy or whatever, or you, whatever it is, whatever the case may be, however you eat or whatever your appetite is to now is the easiest time to graze. And yeah, uh, you know, in my case, for sure, like just kind of like pick and nosh and whatever. (laughs) And it's just truly, it's truly like the most, the, the most, um, and, and because of like panic or depression or anxiety, it's just so easy to, fall out of routine a little yeah, bit, you know? it really is. And it's just so funny to not see that reflected in these guys who, I'm sure women too, who, who pride themselves on a right. humbling sense of, mm-hmm. of preening, of self-preening and, yeah, and, and, you know, right. need for adoration. I see, right. I mean, people, I'm. I, Michael likes it,
2: but other people would hate it. Like, I'm the person making, like, chocolate cake. I made chocolate cake oh, last night. night and yeah. it's like, I'm that guy. Do you have
0: baking anxiety? No, but
2: it does calm me down. It makes me happy to make like a... Sorry, I mean,
0: you're an anxiety baker, meaning it calms you down to bake.
2: Yeah, it is calming. It makes me happy to be like,
0: I'm making a two-tier cake for my man. You know what the (laughs) the big apparently the big trend in anxiety baking has been pancake cereal. Oh, cereal? Yeah, like little pancakes. I just read about it. It's like people are making like little pancakes and coloring them or adding fruit or chocolate and then eating them like a cereal bowl. It looks amazing.
1: Pancakes are fine on their own. Don't fuck it up like that. (laughs) Remember, I I know, but the 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 times. One time, uh, I do actually like looking for recipes on the New York Times and they one time showed you how to make your own English muffins. Mm. I was like, hey, guys, like, I don't have
0: all day. Like, I don't have all day Uh, to make something that's normally a dollar.
1: Right. (laughs) Thomas figured out the nooks
0: and crannies early
1: on. So, Mm. but in the end, what do you think the consensus has been, Elliot? Have you noticed as someone who – Follows thousands of people. Uh, <laughs> um, have you noticed that, like these, the thoughty guys are less present? I think I've you're I've right. Noticed? I mean, I didn't,
0: th- I didn't think about it outwardly until you said it, and I was like, oh my god, you're right. They're sort of in hiding. Mm. Yeah. It's I- become it's become a time where if you don't have access to the gym to show off, mm-hmm. yeah. and you don't have the creativity or whatever it is that the means to improvise. And and realize that you look ridiculous, then for the most part, it's like you, I think you just go quiet. <laughs> it's such a long time.
2: They were all probably at that one meth party, that DJ. Oh party. my god! Remember that? Yes, that's where they all were. So they've been shamed, and they're off now.
1: Oh, that's right,
0: that meth party. That, party, that guy did yeah. like an apology video. I mean, after I don't know if it was a meth Instagram.
1: party, alleged meth party. But well, it was a tr- it, yeah. Let me check Matthew Dempsey. Let's see, he hasn't taken his shirt off since i thought you're talking about the gray's anatomy guy for a minute sorry matthew dempsey the the <laughs> therapist that yeah. we had on our podcast. he hasn't taken his shirt off since march 5th wow <laughs> wait no there's this is a video i don't think that's him
0: yeah march 5th Brave. there you go there you go I want. I bet. Like if we turned Brent's camera, we'd have like a full like calendar with markings and X's. It'd be like <laughs> like uh, like uh, uh, Carry on Homeland. <laughs> <laughs> what would uh, your, your aunt, aunt say? Okay, Brent. What would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? Ellen's new doctor sounds like a psycho. <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, Ask Alan if he used kosher chocolate. <laughs> Hope he answers no, by the way. Yeah, no. I, I don't don't think waste I did. your time. How about
2: Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, you know what? She's right. Love is love, especially
0: when it comes to chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Stay safe. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. I'm wash your hands. H. (laughs) Ellen Scott.